Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. As a recent graduate, breaking into the field of cosmetic dentistry can be quite overwhelming. Not only does it require us to have good technical skills, but it also comes with discussing treatment plans that we ourselves wouldn't even be able to afford. In today's episode, our host Dr. Chidam Capel and guest Dr. Mitesh Vasant assure us about how we can start to engage with our patients in improving smiles and what other tools are out there to help us along the way. I invite you all to sit back and enjoy. I personally started in cosmetic dentistry with composite veneers because we didn't charge as much. It made it a lot easier for me to get past one of the big barriers that people face, which is the financial barrier. I think back then I just char- I charged the exact same amount as a filling, even though, though I did layered composites and it took me hours. Mm-hmm. And would you say that financial barrier was yours or the patient's? I think it was mine, 100%. I think it was mine. I think that you know, at the time I was even uncomfortable discussing a single crown. So talking about you know composite veneers or a smile makeover that was... $250 times six is a lot, that, that's a lot easier to discuss than $1,500 per tooth or something like that. Yeah. So I would say tip number one is get over the the mental psychological barrier, the self-imposed um, mental barrier around the, the, the cost or affordability um, because it is just a plain old truth that human beings want to look good. They do make decisions emotionally. Everybody wants to look good. They do want a nice smile. Um, And I think it's us that put this mental limitation up that says, oh, you know, you're not good enough to charge a patient this much money or or, or whatever it might be. But, yes, there's a lot of truth to that. Getting past that barrier is very, very helpful because it opens up so many treatment options for you to offer and for the patient to, to get the outcome that they want. Because, you know, every case is going to be a little bit different. You, you can't paint everyone with the same brush. Yeah, so that, that, was, that was how I personally got started with cosmetic dentistry. Doing composite veneers helped me understand shapes and colors, and that, that helped me communicate with labs to get the outcome that I want when I started doing more porcelain cases. Absolutely. So if you're a dentist who may, mostly is just seeing general dental patients like checkups, cleans, they're not necessarily coming in seeking cosmetic dentistry. What are some tips for just getting started, getting a few cases over the line to get some experience? Well, I think the first thing that you'd have to do is acknowledge that every single patient, that there is the potential for for something there. That, you know, it, sure, not every single case is a cosmetic case, but there's a lot that goes undiagnosed and there's a lot of treatment that we could offer to patients if they knew that we did that. One of my favorite questions is when a patient tells me that they use a whitening toothpaste because I find out from every single patient what sort of uh, what, what their oral hygiene habits are at home and if they tell me they use a whitening toothpaste, that for me is an opening to say, you know, are, are you concerned about the appearance of your smile or something like that? And Inevitably, that then opens the door for that cosmetic um, discussion. It's not a a big question to ask. It's not intimidating for for the clinician or for the patient. Sure, I think that's a really good tip because it just reduces the, the that barrier, and it's still a very appropriate thing to ask, especially off the back of 
you know, I'm using a product to improve the appearance and is is that, you know, is that something that you want to do, improve the appearance of your smile? And as dentists, I think we're very well qualified to talk about it in a very neutral and non-judgmental way. And it's cosmetic dentistry is a, a want I guess it's not a need. So it's okay just to say, you know, it doesn't bother me. It's not a concern for me. Amazing. Don't worry about it then. As long as things are healthy, that's fine. But if it is, it's a want. So let's have a chat about what you what you would improve. Mm. Yeah, so that's a really good tip around just asking a simple question like that to because, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I guarantee you that most of your general patients do want their smile improved, but they might not necessarily know that you even offer these services. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of some people's patients actually go seek cosmetic dental treatment elsewhere. And I said, why don't you talk to your general dentist? And they said, I don't think they do this stuff. And I'm thinking they probably do. They just didn't, they just didn't offer it or or bring it up in a way that the patient felt like, yep, this is a thing that's a service that's available to me. As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country. Sometimes people call just at the end of a long day to debrief. Sometimes they call because there's more challenging things going on. Dental practitioner support is there for you in these times to give proactive advice, help you improve your health and well-being before there are major concerns. We all need a helping hand sometimes and it's okay to ask for help. So if you find you need it, call 1-800-377-700 or visit the website dpsupport.org.au. They have loads of great information to get you started. Let's say we get some some cosmetic cases, get some patients really interested and really open to hearing about about it. So, how like how did you used to approach cosmetic cases and especially like indirect cases and and how has that evolved over time for you? Uh, yeah, look, the the way I've approached indirect cases has changed a lot over the years. In the past, it was a case of prep the teeth, tell the lab that I wanted some veneers in shade A1 or something like that, and that was it. Now the planning process is quite different. Is it okay if I walk you through some of the steps that I do? Yeah, cool. So I start off by, um, like, I'll, I'll take some pictures of the patient's smile. Sometimes I'll even do this chair side. I'll show them some pictures of teeth. So what I'm trying to gauge is the types of shapes that they like and also the relationships that they like between the centrals, the laterals, and the canines. Once I know that, I can, I'll can i just um, drag some teeth into their smile, and I'll show them roughly what that looks like. If that's, This lets me very quickly communicate to the patient. It lets me see if I can, if I can meet their expectations. If they're the type of patient say, oh, no, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, at that stage, that very, very early stage, I, that, that's a little red flag that goes up for me. So then 
after I've done that 2D and let's um, say the patient's interested, I book them in for another appointment. I may might take some more pictures at that stage and get a 3D scan, but in the past it would be an impression. And I'd send that plus a slightly more in-depth version of the 2D mock-up to the lab to let them know the, the shapes that, that I like, any int- increase in length. I can tell them specifically, you know, add 0.75 millimeters to the mesial incisal on this tooth, 0.5 on this tooth or something like that. And I think if I could just interrupt there, um, it's really important if you are going to do that and send this kind of information to the your lab, you need to have like a conversation with your lab and the lab technicians about what you're doing. Otherwise, if you start just introducing your own random protocol without um, some like, hey, this is how I'm thinking about planning my cases. This is the information I'll provide about the mock-ups. It could be in a digital format. It could be through pictures or whatever. At least you're just giving them a heads up that this is what you're doing because sometimes they're just used to dentists doing their own random things. Um, It's really important that that communication is there. Yeah, absolutely. Once you've done that, the lab will provide a wax-up or a 3D printed model. I copy that into the map um, to show the patient. I take pictures at that stage. I don't give them the hand mirror. Instead, we take them to the clinic mirror and show them how it looks. Then after that, the patient may take some selfies and stuff. After that, we'll, we'll book in the prep appointment. And when I'm prepping, I'm prepping to the final shape that I want. I'm not prepping to the current shape of the tooth. I think that's been the biggest change for me. So the... Um, as far as prepping goes, I think the entire workflow has changed so much for me in the last five years. But that is the biggest point. And you end up being a lot more conservative for your preps if you're thinking about the final outcome. Because inevitably, I'm adding I'm adding a little bit to the buckle. Because a lot of the cases I see, there's some wear on the, the buckle or the labial surfaces or the incisal edges. And if you're adding some of that back, then it means that your preps end up being very conservative. Absolutely, especially in cases um, where people often want um, broader smiles, fuller smiles, or you're just... Um or you're proclining teeth a little more, giving it that, you know, Angelina Jolie look. There are instances where if you've designed something like that, pre-designed something, and you, you do a try-in, and you do like a, a prep, a reduction, use a reduction guide burr, you sometimes realize, oh, I'm still in the temp material. I don't even have to prep in this section of my tooth at all. I might just have to do a a margin, really. Um, and, you know, that's the case a lot of the time, whereas before we're unnecessarily prepping certain parts of the teeth. So that's a really good good point. Cosmetic dentist, dentistry really is you know, it can be a bit intimidating if, if you're new to it. But I think um, what sort of, I guess, tools do should we be investing in or what, what kind of things do we need, whether it's, you know, scanners, cameras, whatever, what, what are you using at the moment? What do you okay. recommend? The biggest change in um, from when I started till now, I think use of a DSLR c- camera, if you aren't currently using one, impacts so much in clinical dentistry yes you know there's the specific cosmetic implications but um, taking photos of your own work um, taking intraoral photos retracted upper and lower occlusals you'll find that you'll get to communicate much more effectively with patients and because of that you may 
get to do some more interesting dentistry as well. So I'd say hands down a good DSLR camera and learning how to use it is a great way to start. We have the intraoral scanners, so we have the Seric um, Prime Scan, which is a nice, easy scanner to use, very accurate, so I'm pretty happy with that. I use digital smile design, and I'm considering going to the extent of generating my own digital wax-ups as well. I haven't done that step yet, but I'm tempted to, just so that I have that level of quality control. Yeah, um, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. So once you actually set up the workflow, you can um, show me as well. So uh, we can, you know, I can imagine myself getting lost in the, the the micro millimeters and microns of, you know, rotation. And it's, it's lots of fun. It's like when you get lost in ClinChecks. Do you want to add orthodontics to your general practice? So many patients today are looking for aesthetic outcomes and and changes, things that we can do with things like aligners and fixed braces that can put the teeth where they need to be so we can be more minimal in what we do to those teeth. I know it's something I wanted to learn and personally I've gone down the path with OrthoEd doing the mini masters. I'm also getting treatment myself, I'm in aligners right now. If you're ready to go all in with orthodontics, you can go and do the mini masters with OrthoEd and Dr. Jeff Hall and at the end you can get a postgraduate diploma. But if you're starting off with smaller steps, they even have some online education including aligners and aligner courses that are standalone. In the COVID environment we're currently in, these courses have remained live and we can then go and do them in person later on. I really appreciate the way they've managed that and I'm still getting tons of value. OrthoEd gives you an understanding from the foundational level. You understand aligners as well as fixed braces, the mechanics and all the things in between. If you're about to start your orthodontic journey, check out dentalheadstart.com slash orthoed to get 10% off their entire range. You might even run into me at one of the courses. So you said you use DSD at the moment. What other tools do you need? What kind of, you mentioned your scanning as well. Yes, yep, so... I'm scanning because that helps me with that, um, with the digital workflow, you know, being able to email the pictures, the SDL file. When I say email, I, I set up a Dropbox folder for the patient and I share that with my lab. Um, and that has all the information. It'll have my, my notes for what I want the smile to look like, as well as that 2D mock-up. It'll have the pictures that the patient liked. So if they liked more triangular shaped teeth, I'd send a picture of that. I'd send a picture of the relationships that they liked also. When I, I normally create like a PowerPoint presentation for all of that information when I'm communicating with the lab because it gives me that level of control over the outcome. And it's so satisfying when you see the final outcome and you can overlay your design and say, you know what, that was pretty much bang on. Once you go digital, you can't go back. No, no, I, I, I think I'd struggle going backwards. I, I mean, I, I did do my own wax ups for cosmetic cases, but I, I can't see myself doing that again. It was, it was fun at the time, but it, very, very labor intensive. That's very impressive. I don't think I, I've done a wax up since since uni, so um, I wouldn't even uh, remember. That's that is very impressive. So, look, I think um, that's a really good tip, tips you've shared um, around getting started, like around 
approaching the cases, getting case acceptance to begin with, and really a focus on planning the design first and prepping and um, doing your workflow uh, that is more design-centric rather than the old way, which is just prep and order one set of veneers, please, which couldn't, you know, really deliver quite unpredictable results. So, yeah, that's some amazing tips. Any last sort of thoughts on the on the cosmetic space? Yes, I'd say uh, as a final thought, if the clinic that you're working in doesn't do cosmetic cases and you may not get um, the support that you need for that, there are lots of dentists who do who'd be happy to just have a chat. Um, so feel free to reach out. I've spent time with dentists who don't work with me and help them with cosmetic cases um, just because it's something I find so interesting. Thank you. Um, that sort of half sounded like uh, an invitation to hit up Matesh if, if you've got a fun and interesting case to share. But thank you, Matesh. I know you to be a very generous owner, clinician, mentor, and I know the effort you, and I'm probably one of the reasons we connected is um, I'm, I'm really impressed by your efforts to contribute to other dentists' education. So um, thank you for always being so generous with that and for sharing your wisdom on the Dental Head Start podcast, What I Wish I Knew. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.